0: So, welcome everybody to another episode of Align with Lina. And today I am super excited because I am doing something for the first time. I am bringing back a guest for a second conversation. And the reason is because Isabel Hunt joined me for our first conversation back on May 21st. And I was just so totally impressed with her story, her journey, which was absolutely wonderful. But she, like I, could not help but want to share this information with others. And this episode of Align with Lina is not so much about how we all move through our spiritual journey, what are the obstacles that we face that bring us to the place of wanting to wake up and wanting to align with our truth, This episode is really about how does someone who aligns with their truth now live it, but not only live it as an ordinary person, but lives it as somebody who's teaching it. Because I know for me, walking the talk has been a challenge, but it is part of the process. And I don't know a single person that doesn't enter into the deeper parts of this journey of aligning with the truth of who we are. That doesn't want to share it at some level, be it just with their families in 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 just everyday life, or like Isabel and I have done, share it in as our careers. And I cannot wait for you to be able to with me enjoy a deeper conversation of how do we walk the talk? How do we live the truth, live by truth? So Isabel, again, thank you for joining me today. I am so excited that we get to have part two of um, our (laughs) our conversation. And just to, to bring the audience up to speed a little bit, Just give us a tiny little glimpse, you know, no more than than a couple of minutes of your overall journey, because it started for you with with a dream. I believe it's when you were 12 years old. Right. And then things began to shift, your life began to unravel, and and here you are. So just say just a little bit of that without all the details, because they can go back to the May 21st interview. That is right. Hear that. <laughs> but let's set the stage to bring us to this present moment, and then you and I can talk not only as coaches, as teachers, as moms, and as students of truth.
1: Okay. I'll keep it short. So like you said, anyone who wants the long story, they need to go back to the other interview or read my book, the power of faith driven success. There you Um, however, yeah, as you said, it started with that dream when I was 12 years old, um, that eventually I would be standing on a big stage speaking in front of thousands and thousands of people in English. And I'm originally from Germany. I moved here to the U S about nine years ago, a little bit longer than that now, nine and a half years. And, um, Through my whole journey, I was very much attached to the dream. This is how I think it's supposed to happen. So after I graduated from high school, I came to the U.S. for an exchange year. After that, I had to go back to Germany because my visa ended. And I tried to um, figure out how I want to do this. So I studied economics, international economics. Of course, you get a job in the U.S. with that, right? Well, I failed very, very badly I got kicked out. Then I um, started over social science and psychology, and that's where I really found my heart in the work that I wanted to do. And when I was 26, I came back to the U.S. I worked as a nanny, again, for a couple different families, first New York, then San Francisco, then I came finally to Indianapolis. Um, It may sound all very easy right now, but those who know the deeper story know that was a horrendous up and down from literally being kicked out of homes to almost being homeless, having to depend on strangers and really having to go inward and how attached I am to that dream. And then um when I came here to, to Indianapolis, I met my now husband. Back then, he didn't want to get married because we didn't know each other for very long, but I was really running out of time. Um, I got into a master's program, but I didn't have $60,000. So it was always like this I'm giving you this much that you keep on holding on to your dreams. And then it's like, but I'm giving you this one. So you continue trusting me. So um, it, it was really heart wrenching for me. I even had to go to Canada. I almost got deported. I came back. And the day I had to book my flight back to Germany, my husband came home and said, I do want to marry you. Something in my heart just tells me you're the right one. And you're the one that I want to spend the rest of my life with and from there we got married within two weeks within three months i got my green card which was definitely god saying because you never get that that fast it takes about a year to two years to get your green card to be able to to even work and then i i had a total identity crisis because suddenly i wasn't the one struggling i wasn't the one who had to figure out things because now i was where i wanted to be but i didn't know what to do in that place and counseling didn't feel great anymore to me. Uh, So I I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't just want to do a job. And through a friend of a friend, I went to Chicago. He invited me to a coaching training session and it was an ontological spiritual coaching training which i absolutely absolutely loved i loved and hated my coaches at the same time for those who know and have lovely coaches they know how that feels <laughs> sometimes you just want to like leave me alone i don't want to work with you anymore than others thank you so much um but it was an incredible experience for me to really go to the level of such deepness like depth inside of me that I realized who I was how I operate as an empath as someone who is highly sensitive what spirituality actually means and um, after 20 years now it's been a little longer I do exactly what I dreamed about when I was 12 years old
0: a beautiful summary. and absolutely <laughs> it's beautiful. it's it's really fascinating how after a while our our story, uh, we can summarize it because all the pieces kind of fall together, so it's easy yeah. to give the one, two, three. But l- let's start the conversation with what you said. Um, Because we all go through this, and me having been a coach for twelve years now, I see this. It's the same for everybody, and you having, you know, been coaching for a while, no, you can see the patterns. It's almost like the exact same thing with each person, because it was the same with us. But you said that you began to have an identity crisis, and as things began to work, then all of a sudden, who we were before. Mm-hmm. We, we are not that person anymore, but those memories, those identities are still in our mind and we haven't fully embodied who we are, who, who we have become. Yes. Um, let's talk about how do you, so, so let's do this in two parts or, or in two ways that are going to be of service to our audience. How did you move through that uh, embodying this new identity and give up the old one? And, and then how do you teach that to your to mm-hmm. your clients as well? Like if you have tips for them. Right. Okay. Hold on a second. Before you start, sorry to interrupt you, I want to say hi to Angie, who's saying hello to us. Oh, so, okay. Yes, Angie, thanks for being here with us.
1: <laughs> oh, it's always nice to have some people join.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: uh, definitely. I think um, what made my journey a little bit easier that I was far away from home, my family is still in Germany, so I wasn't, always influenced into my um, old identity, like not always that reminder, but this is who you are. and Why are you so different? Why are you acting so differently? Because with the, the ocean in between and the different language, I was able to create almost like a distance that allowed me to rediscover myself. But actually... And I don't know why this came to me last night, actually, that I want to mention. And maybe some of your listeners may be interested in that, too. I want to go a little further back um, in. We, we hear it today so much like the awakening and who is woke and especially people like oh, that's all new age. I don't know what to do with that stuff. And this is definitely not Christian. And this is not how this works. Like just the other day, I got. um got an email from a guy or actually he posted it on my youtube and he said you are driving people into death with the way you teach and that's not anything biblical and he didn't even have a clue what i was talking about but it was it, it got me deep and so i want to ex- express or explain a little bit deeper what that means being woke Um, when I was about 12, 13 years old, um, I went to a huge event back in Germany with Billy Graham. Um, it was a huge deal for when he was American and Germans really do look up to Americans or half at least. Um, (laughs) but, uh, there is just a special relationship between Americans and Germans and there always has been. So Billy Graham for us was a huge deal. And when he was there, we had that, um, satellite going on the show, and I felt really drawn to saying yes and to committing to God and to Jesus. And my, I remember my mom's like, do you want to go? Do you want to? I go with you. And I said, yes, I do. So that's when I really am um, committed to being a Christ follower. And my whole life, I grew up Lutheran, so it's very strict, comparable with Catholic here in in, German, in the U.S., um, and everything I felt and everything I experienced and who I was and, and the gifts that I have would have been experienced as demonic. Uh, that's nothing Christ-like. You shouldn't feel this way. And so I never really expressed anything that I experienced, really, until I came to the U.S. I just considered myself a Christian. And the U.S. is awesome because you have like a hundred different churches with different directions. That's totally overwhelming, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know where to start. But the, the thing was I was able to try out all kind of different churches yeah. and there were some crazy stuff like, oh my gosh, like, where people literally locked the door and we couldn't leave. Um, <laughs> it, it scared the heck out of me. It's like, I don't know if I want to do this Christian thing anymore. Something is different here. Like people are not as nice. And I finally was able to find a church that I really was able to resonate with. And it was a non-denominational church and it felt good. But something was still missing. And when I went through the ontological coaching training, that's when I realized what was missing. Often as a Christian and what we learn through the Bible and what we're being taught is so superficial. It's all on the surface. It's not that deep knowing and understanding. And what changed for me through this whole journey of becoming woke, (laughs) how people would say that, um, is is a next layer down or even the next five layers down. You can't even describe it. It's just such a, um, it it doesn't mean that you suddenly change totally your direction in what you believed before. You actually just internalize it. You understand, oh, this is why Jesus did certain things the way he did and why he said certain things. Certain things. And it's just such a deep, hard level. Absolutely. And what it meant for me was that I started to see the world differently. Uh, I felt so much more connected to nature I was realizing how some of the things that I ate really destroyed my body. I had such a conscious awareness of what is good for me and what not. Such an, almost like an extreme distinction that was hard for me to even say, and what now? Like, okay, I feel all this, but what is the other way? What, how am I supposed to live my life from that place of being? And that's how I kind of got into the, awakening stage but again it it came with that identity crisis um and i had probably more than one one was i'm not german i'm not american i don't know what i'm supposed to be and who i'm supposed to be and then after i went through this whole training myself it was like uh my grandparents tell me i'm part of a sect my mom my dad well they kind of left the church too they're like whatever works for you um People say this and that, so you have multiple identity crises before you actually find yourself.
0: (laughs) Yes, absolutely, and it is because this journey of awakening to be woke is is to to let go of who you thought you are and who we think we are. Our identities are developed by what we are told, the labels that are placed on us. You know, being German or being I, I grew up Catholic being Catholic, being Christian, being rich, being poor, being educated, being non-ed, non-educated, being a PhD, being a you know just a, a blue-collar worker, a white-collar worker. So all of those labels add to who we think we are. And every time we let go of a label, we do. We go through an identity crisis. I mean, a simple example is when I became a mom, uh, immediately I had, within a couple of weeks, an identity crisis because before I did whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. And now, all of a sudden, I, I can't leave my house um, I, I, without planning. How am I going to transport this other being? Uh, my body wasn't my body anymore. My breasts were not p- for pleasure anymore. They were for feeding another human being. So all of a sudden, I had to figure out who am I as, as, as a mom now, mm-hmm. So the same thing happens when we go through a spiritual awakening. We, what is this awakening leading us to and who we were before we awakened are two totally different things. But I love how you brought up the the, the Bible and how what is taught by those who have not had an awakening yes. is very, very superficial. And it's actually used to tell others what to do. Because the person who has not awakened doesn't understand that the Bible is giving a message that is for ourselves. It is an inward journey. It is a how do we become like Christ? Mm -hmm. It is not how to tell other people how to be like Christ or how to get to Christ. It is about how do we embody that? um so say more about your experience with uh with with Christ or with with whatever it is that you now believe is your truth because you have gone down through those layers It's
1: honestly been, and even sometimes now, I mean, I've been doing this work for almost seven years now, so it's been a while and you get used to a couple of things. It is just really interesting how it always pushes you outside of a comfort zone. The more, um, you, you know, with every label that you have, there is a limitation. And when you suddenly get to a place where you feel so connected with everyone and everything around you, and you understand that even the person thousands and thousands of miles away from you is somehow connected to you, suddenly those limitations fall away. Like you don't have those boundaries and that gets scary. It's like, uh, what do I wanna do out there? I don't think I can control myself out there. I don't think I can um, fit in there. So you're really, sometimes it's hard for me to even describe how it feels because again, it goes so deep. But it really is um, its scary, especially at first. And the thing yes, is, too, nice. you become so much aware of yourself and your own thoughts and your beliefs that I, I said it. I'm so trained by now that I can't sabotage myself consciously anymore. I can choose to. And sometimes I do it on purpose because it feels good in that moment. However, it is hard for me to say I didn't know, <laughs>
0: <You> know <laughs> because that, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's such a let, let's top, stop there because that's such an important piece of this whole journey is you said you become conscious of your thoughts because that is, you know, in the Bible, it says, and you will be transformed through the renewing of your mind so yes. we are we are taught that there is a transformation that happens as you renew your mind and like you were saying when you begin to become aware of your thoughts you begin to to listen to that part of you what I call our ego self yeah. um, that has all of these beliefs that form those identities that that are the essence of the rights and the wrongs that we live by so as as we begin to be aware of those thoughts that have us, be go back to being asleep um, the thoughts that bring the old identity then when you know when you're awake you know that you're doing that because you're letting it happen not because um, you are in that moment choosing to be awake in that moment you're choosing to allow thoughts that block your awakening your awakened self so talk a little bit about how do you what do you do when you see that what's your process to be able to to shift yourself or to just acknowledge that
1: my my biggest challenge always has been trust and especially within my spiritual journey the trust was the biggest issue how can I trust and who can I trust what is real because suddenly I had experiences of seeing spirits um, and having spirits attack attack me and being attached to me sometimes subconsciously but I know for example if between my shoulder blades towards my right side, when it hurts and it's like a a knife stabbing, I know that something has attached subconsciously. So it's sometimes not easy, but for me, it's just having, getting myself back into co-creating with a divine power and knowing I am never alone. I can always ask for support. Like when something like, like that happens, like, I pray so much over my son, and over my house, like, I, just this weekend, I did. Um, I always ask God to activate trust and connection within me and inside of me. And when I do that, I can take that next step that I know I'm supposed to take. And even though I would normally, under logical circumstances, experience it as a boundary i can step over it it's almost like you have a little river there and you're like i can't jump it's too far it's too far i'm just gonna be safe over here but when you have that awakening and you can activate the trust inside of you you just jump trusting that you will get on the other side you might get a little bit wet maybe but maybe not and you just jump because you know that that's something someone is co taking that step with you. Yeah. It's you never feel alone. You feel surrounded by angels. You feel surrounded by God's presence. It, it's so incredible to describe or the, the experience, but hard to describe what you feel because suddenly you hear animals speak to you and plans. And it's it just, really interesting uh to to have that global or universal support system where like like i don't know if i told that story last time but i was writing my book and um i i was so afraid that i can't describe or that i'm using the bible the wrong way as i mentioned the book is called the power Face faith-driven success and i wanted to bring science and faith together helping people hey this is how it really does make sense we don't have to condemn either one of them yeah and yeah. i was so worried i said to my husband i ha- i'm not really good at reading the bible like the whole thing through i did but I, I'm not good at memorizing. What if I interpret it the wrong way? So I wanted to just leave all of that out. And I got more discouraged, more discouraged. And one day I wanted to, to say, I'm not a writer. I'm just not gonna do it. And <laughs> that day I came downstairs and, and my husband said, did you just feel that? I was like, no, what? And they were outside sitting on our patio, with three hawks. And the hawks have such a powerful meaning for me. Um, and they were sitting there and it was almost like a confirmation, like you need to bring it in, do it your way. People will resonate with it. Within two weeks, I wrote and finished that book. I rewrote everything for those two weeks. They not once left every morning. They showed up on my, on my window and were circling until I was done writing for that day. (laughs) When I finished my book, they were gone. Now, every time I need a confirmation, one one shows up, but never all three, because they are not they they don't show up in packs. And um, those are the things that that you start to become more aware of when you do that next step. Uh, there will be signs if it's through people, if it's through nature. Like, um, every time I go a step further, my husband comes in, he's like, I just found this herb in the backyard. I don't know how it got there. It's like, well, what is it? And then he tells me what it is like, what is it for? Then he tells me like, oh, that's interesting. I guess it's for me. So we're working very well together because he's a, a master herbalist and naturopath. So he's like, yeah, I don't know how that got there. But this is how nature supports us too. like, hey, take this flower or take this herb it helps you to feel a little bit more calm or ready to take that next step um, or animals show up and you're like okay I, I suddenly get this down though like what is it and yeah. that's um, how I work through it like really paying attention what is happening around me and activating that trust and that connection within my body and sometimes it means that before I take a next step I have to do the counterintuitive part of meditating more, really being more present, praying more. That could mean that instead of using my three-hour window to work, I might have to meditate for three hours. And that's hard because in our hustle nation, we're like, oh, I need to get this done. I need to finish this up. And I need to have this call. I need to reach out to that person to make money, Um, But the bigger you play, especially within that awakening state, the more you have to go within.
0: Yeah. And this, of course, sounds like crazy talk to uh, people who who have no clue about what we're talking about, those who have not had that that awakening. And the way that I like to simplify it is that we're waking up to discover that there's more to us than we thought there was. Yes. Because our, our ideas about ourselves set up a form of limitation. If I'm a baker, well, then I can't be a, a truck driver. If I'm a lawyer, I can't be a, a, a holistic doctor. So our mind gets compartmentalized and we create these boundaries. Mm-hmm. And if I'm Catholic, I can't even study Hinduism or Buddhism or, or anything mystical yeah. because that's outside of that boundary. So thoughts become the boundaries. And when you were giving that description of the river... It's a beautiful description because what we are developing is a trust that it is okay to think outside of what we thought was right or normal or, you know, accurate. And inside of that, that development of trust, well, if you're going to go outside of what you believe, then you have got to begin to trust something unseen, something, uh, something that you can't tangibly say this is it because it's not coming from. Um, anything that has been taught to you by the world, it's coming from something informing you from within and that information comes to us through, like you said, you know, I have received guidance from, from the forest, from the animals. Mm -hmm. There were different stages in my life where I experienced that more specifically, I was receiving guidance from what to me felt like Jesus because that was a familiar uh, face, it was a familiar message, because I grew up with that in the Catholic Church, um, so yes, we are beginning to hear, that's, that's what this a big shift is, the shift in consciousness, is we are becoming conscious of what we were unconscious to before, But it's the intelligence that permeates everything. We're inside of an intelligent field and our mind has been set up to to perceive only what we've been taught is real. But yet there is so much more to to reality. Actually, our perceptions limit what we can can receive. So say a little bit more to your development of trust. How how has that worked for you? (laughs)
1: <laughs> I have to work on it every single day. <laughs> um, we were talking about that the other day in a, in a group and uh, actually with my friend, I, we were talking about it. And she's like, you know, I feel like I put so much work into my business and but the financial um harvest is not coming as much as I put into it. I know I'm supposed to do this work. So I am keep wondering and, and questioning why I do this and, and why God is not providing in that way that I want to see. And I said, you know, with the shift that's happening too, um, we have started to measure our success in life, no matter what you do, if you have a business or if, you have, uh, if you're employed on how much money you make. Uh, The more money you make, the more successful you are. The more people you um, influence with that kind of money, the, the better you are, the better person you are. But we're breaking up that cycle of how do we measure success? And I said it for some, the goal is for one month to having 3K of money a month. And for others, actually, if they really go deep, it's 3K of trust a month. And that is for me, like, have I reached my 3K of trust? Um, because when I do that, I automatically are being shown the next step that will lead to what I need, the provision. If it's moving somewhere or needing a new car or whatever that is, there was always that provision there. Uh, for example, a good example is um, for the last year, I have a four-year-old. And for the last year, I just kept praying, I need some support. We don't have any family down here. So uh, otherwise, it would be nice to call my mom and say, hey, can you take Jonah for the day? I need to get this done. I need to be able to think straight. And he's disrupting that thinking. Um, But we don't have that here. So I kept praying about, okay, I need some support. I need something that will really work, that is in alignment with what I want to see for him. I don't just want to put him in school because he's also an empath. He's very sensitive, and I want someone who can work with him in in this way that I see for him because he's a very free spirit. He is very imaginative in, in everything, he, how he expresses himself. And and then suddenly it shows up, Montessori School. I was like, oh, okay. Well, and then it showed up, oh, it's only 10 minutes down the road. Where did that suddenly show up? I didn't know we had one around here. And then, of course, we looked up, oh, $4,000. Well, that's much. <laughs> and so um, last year when we planned this whole thing, I was like, no, I don't think we can do that. And and then I just heard this voice. So you prayed for it. How? Why don't you trust? You prayed for it. Like, oh, <laughs> but it's $4,000. And I started to panic like, oh, I need to get more clients. I need to get this done because my was like, well, if you want to make it happen, then you have to pay for it. Like, But I have to pay all my employees. I need to pay them and me and blah, blah, blah and all i heard was why don't you trust me you prayed for it i'm showing what is good for him step into it and i will take care of it and obviously it is taken care of he starts in two weeks uh but those are like those little situations where if I wouldn't have been in this knowing and understanding and being able to really listen, I would have said no. I probably would have tortured myself through another year of him being home and like, ah, oh, well, maybe I should just wait another year with my business and not making it happen. <laughs> um, even though we have now a really amazing babysitter, but she goes to school too. Um, so yeah, under different circumstances, I would have had the money get in the way for me to having this prayer answered.
0: I, I totally can relate with that because this developing trust in the unseen world is, is to trust that there is, like you said, a power that is always with us, that we are not walking alone, we're not thinking alone, we're not yeah. doing anything alone. If anything, we're opening up our mind on doing all of those limitations so we can be guided, so that we can synchronistically align with what is happening, because what is happening is always, always the result of what it is that we're saying we desire either we align with it or we block it so I mean, it gets to be pretty simple but uh i so can relate to part of that uh that money fear experience that you were talking about because when i was with my former husband um he was very well off and i had part of of my desire was to be financially totally completely where i could just do what i love doing and and share it for very little um because I I love what I do and I didn't want to have to charge that much and I had lots of people that I knew that could benefit from it and they weren't stories that they didn't have the money so I end up meeting this wonderful man he's very well to do a millionaire in fact um a millionaire in the world and so uh, we set up this dynamic. He wants to take care of everything and and I'm, of course, I'm loving it because I know I'm manifesting this. Yeah. But then little by little, the story began to change. and where he began to um, experience this fear that I was maybe taking too much or cheating uh, on him with his money. yeah. Then fears began to get activated in my mind and I began to block myself from receiving. It's like, I'm going to prove to you I'm not using you for your money. Let me stop using this, that or the other. And I had to begin to to put up these boundaries around uh, the money that I was receiving from him. Yeah. But what was so fascinating is once that relationship clearly with that many boundaries between us, no matter what created them, fear, jealousy, whatever it was, both both of ours, um, it, it pushed us further apart without yeah. that much uh mistrust in the middle and then I began to hear the voice that said you know it's this relationship has completed its job your your work is to trust and leave and not not need to take anything from this because you're going to be taken care of and it took me a little while and I'm gonna say it was a couple of years of making that decision day to day to to know my work would would return I'd be able to do, what I had done before, what I love to do. And sure enough, that trust was like walking away from that marriage and saying, I don't need anything and walking out with with zero from him. Then eventually he gifted me a car and he gave me um, some stock in a company that he worked in. And it was just a nice little gift that came, but it was because I was trusting. And then all of a sudden my business began to grow, but it's because I knew I knew that I was trusting a voice inside of me that was saying, cross that yeah. river. And the river felt really wide at times. But somehow I was able to, whether I swam through the river or I walked on the river or I flew over the river, it didn't matter. Things just began to to show up in my life experience yeah. because I was willing to say, I may not be able to see it, but it doesn't matter. I feel that it is, it is there. I feel that yeah. the support is there. So tell me, how do you, because the book that you wrote, um, Power of a faith, faith Driven Success, clearly in, in this, the title of your book, Faith, faith driven, that's what trust is. Yes. It's, you're trusting something you don't see. So say more about what, what your book is, is going to teach people. Um,
1: In in general, what I really want people to understand from the book is how to start trusting your intuition, which goes back to trusting faith, that faith-driven success. Um, How is our body actually designed and where can we look for that intuition? Um, So it brings in the science with with some of the biblical teachings. Like one story that always stuck with me was, um, now I forgot where exactly, but where Jesus was in the crowd of people and there was this one woman who was really sick. He had like the, She had this blood disease for 12 years or something. Um, and she touched his rope and, and she believed that if she just can touch him, she will be healed. And, and within that crowd, I mean, there were so many people. He turned around and said, who just touched me? I felt, um, I don't exactly know the exact word, but something like I felt energy being moved away from me. Uh, Because the disciples were questioning, like, how would you know that someone touched you? Because I felt energy moving away from me. And he looked at her and he saw exactly who it was. And she's like, because of your faith, you are healed. And that always stuck with me while I wrote my book. Like, even God knew energy. Like, you may have not talked about it in the way we can today with all the researches that we have been able to do in that field. But he knew he knew that you can interchange energy just by believing in it, just by focusing on it, by being trusting and having that faith. And so the book is rather written in a simple way because, well, for one, English is my second language. And I wrote it for younger people um, with the subtitle. But interestingly enough, I have more people over 30 who read the book because I think they think they missed something in their twenties. Um, so it's quite interesting. If, if, if I look at the dynamics and the yeah. demographics who read the book, it's all 35 between 35 and 50. <laughs> so that surprises me a lot, but also younger people like I at finally understand that someone sees me and wrote it in a way that it makes sense to me. Like I explain how the physical body works and how that goes in alignment with your spiritual body. And it really is like this, um, this basic, this foundational course on how to trust your intuition pretty much, because it is like a, a coaching book. There's a note pages, like personal notes where they can make personal notes after each chapter. I'm giving them some questions. Hey, this is what you can reflect on. So I have a lot of people that said it's on my nightstand and I reread it over and over. And every time I do, I make different notes and it's interesting to see how I develop through it.
0: Yeah, that is so beautiful because, you know, yes, we're trusting the unseen world. And in this unseen world, you know, our energy field extends so Mm -hmm. far out of our of our physical body's limitations. And yeah, how how is it that that we hear or sense or know how to do something and that we always, you know, are trained when when we are living in the world that Oh, we just got lucky, or we just, you know, we heard something, we imagined something, or you know, you could not have uh, have heard it from the outside. You somebody must have said that to you, and we are taught from a very young age to disconnect from this knowingness. That my daughter, when she was two years old, was talking to an imaginary friend. Mine too. At the time, yes, at the time, I thought, all right, she's just using her imagination. And, oh, how creative she is. But what I did not realize until later on, especially going through my own journey, was that she was tapping into that unseen world. She was actually because she didn't have the beliefs that told her that world is not real, that only what's solid is real. Yes. She couldn't move between the worlds, the unseen and the physical world. And she was having communications and, and a, a wonderful interaction with her guides. Um, and it's really fascinating how we train ourselves out of that. So share an example um, or two or three or however many you feel inspired. How do we tap into that intuition? Because I know that's part of, of what you teach. So, And you're so brilliant at
1: Yeah, Um, a very easy way is when you have situations where you pretty much know the answer, like something quite um, simple, like people know, like, for example, if you want to quit your job, uh, you kind of know, like, you know, you just know that you're not like, maybe there's some limitations, you're trying to talk yourself out of it because of the lack of trust. But When you just envision leaving that job, you will feel your energy shifting and just imagine it so hard in your mind that it becomes so real and then pay attention to your body. Where do you feel that yes in your body? Often for me, it's around the heart. When it's the yes, intuitively, I can feel this um, really strong tingling around my heart. If it's a no, I usually feel sick. I'm like, ah, that doesn't feel good. My stomach hurts or I start to have intestinal problems. That's another issue for me. But pay attention how your body is communicating to you. And I even say to some people, if you want to know something about your body or some answers, start out with muscle testing. It's really simple. You just have to YouTube it, like Google it. Muscle testing can be really simple. Yeah. um, to getting some understanding, oh, this is how I respond to a yes, or this is how I respond to a no, or this doesn't feel right, or this is what I hear. It's really a, um, a, a space of um, paying attention, creating more awareness. And eventually it becomes so natural to you. Like, oh, I feel it in my chest. Yeah, that's a good decision. Oh, I feel it down here. No, it's probably not. Or usually when, when it's not in alignment with you, you usually feel it in your shoulders. It becomes really heavy. Your shoulders usually hurt. Your muscles get really tight. Um, That's another sign. So you literally work yourself from outside to the inside to learn how to trust your intuition. First, envision it, then see what your body is doing and how you respond. And once you have that trained a little bit like, oh, my body's doing this, then you can go even deeper. And then you start hearing like, no, don't do this or yes, do it. You start to hear, I know people think that's crazy, but you do hear some kind of voices or some people see colors when there's a specific answer. I do, I have both. Or sometimes it really depends on what you resonate with most and what you respond to most. It could be through another person. Like every time you're struggling with a decision, maybe a person shows up and tells you something. But you have this awareness now. You know, I'll just ask for it. And now here's this person. So I guess I'm trusting and moving this way but you have to pay attention to how the world is speaking to you and what you are receptive to.
0: Well, and you, you just summarized um, in such a beautiful, perfect and simple way, what eventually we are all going to be doing when we are awake. And it is, it is that, that intuitive guidance. It is. And part of waking up is giving up thinking that, you know, everything and getting into that place that I know nothing. My human self knows nothing. So that I can access my divine self that knows everything, and sitting with that dichotomy that I don't know, but yet I have access to all knowing, is is a place that it takes a little training. It takes it takes time. At least it did me, and it has everybody that I've worked with. It takes time to to navigate sitting inside of the not knowing with access to all knowingness. Yes, that mind, that <laughs> that human mind that wants to know everything, thinks that not knowing is I failed, I'm, I'm stupid, I'm, um, I'm, I'm no longer in control. I, I am, what, something is going to take over me and, and I'm going to not be in charge of my own life. So we have to work through that, developing that faith to let go of what we know. Again, they're all boundaries. Yes. Um, and then accessing that all-knowing mind, that source, spirit, God, whatever you want to call it. For me, it's, I, it was, I was told to call it Jesus. Which is yeah, I love. It. I still love that from last yeah. time. I still it's, love it. God is the source of the energy of love, so I'm listening to the source of the energy of love, and uh, which is all intelligent. So, as you were describing that, it just you you just simplified really what being awake is all about is shifting our our allegiances from the world that that taught us information to the unknown, which is the energy, the intelligence that everything comes from. So what's the intelligence that creates acorns that turn into oak trees, that create, you know, cells that turn into human beings, that that creates oceans? Well, that intelligence is what we're tapping into. That That is the source that knows everything. So now, let's talk about how do you make that practical in your own life? Because you are a woman, you are married, you are a mom, you're, you have a, a business. So you've got all these hats that you wear and we're dealing with the world that doesn't fully understand where we're getting our information from. But we are having to meet that world. And oftentimes, mm-hmm. I know for me, there is what I call irritations, which are just invitations. To see, am I listening to the world and using what the world is saying yeah. to uh, as a block or as something that entices me? Or am I listening to that voice, to that knowingness that is guiding me to navigate the world? How do you use that knowingness in practical terms? Because I know I've had to switch relationships, uh, you know, intimate relationships, because the voice that was guiding me was telling me to do things that the world was saying, are you crazy? Why would you want to leave that marriage? Why would you not want to get something from it? Why would you, you know, close your business? Why aren't you writing your book? Well, I was listening to a voice that was telling me, do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. And it was not what the world had taught me to do or not do. Um, So talk about it in practical terms. Well, for
1: one, I think something people need to understand, the way most of the world is set up is to control And if it's emotionally, if it's through authority, through whoever is um, in authority. Yeah, exactly. Um, So they try to keep their power because we're talking authentic power versus external power um external power meaning everything that allows us to feel safe that we can create through outside um circumstances like if we have a house we feel safe if we have a car we feel safe if we have enough money we feel safe and then there's this um authentic power that is coming from that place of love where you don't need all that on the outside to feel safe. And I think for me, it was a really amazing experience to just have two suitcases and to move across the ocean, not knowing anyone, not really knowing, okay, at that point I knew the language, but not perfectly as I would today. And you don't know how people live there and how things work out. So that was a really good practice for me, but I wasn't in that awakening stage yet. And something else, even if we have access to the known, to the all-knowing, that doesn't mean that we have access to Everything yet, we have access to what <laughs> we point. need in that moment. That's why it is so important when people say mindfulness or talk about mindfulness being in the present moment because that's all that is being shown to you. Because we also have free will, so everything that comes after the present moment, we can shift, we can change, we can interfere with, we can determine how we want it to go depending on what we choose, yep. right. So all that matters is what's in the moment and what we have access to. And so practicing that in the in in a, on a daily basis uh, it's not perfect every day. I'm going to be honest there are days where I'm just really restless there are days where I just like is it even worth it like whatever who am I supposed to trust like this is not working god why not you know uh, where you just start to doubt everything, and then you have friends that say we pray for you because we think you got off your path. Uh, like, oh gosh, maybe they're right. Like because things obviously don't really work out in that area, and maybe they're right. So there is a lot of back and forth. But Absolutely. how I try to, in- yeah, how I try to uh, counter this is really I have my morning routines. Uh, I get up at five five thirty if I feel like it, I get up at five and go for a run. A <laughs> funny story, I don't like to work out when I don't have to wash my hair when it's not my hair wash day. I don't work out, <laughs> but so I do every three days I work out. <laughs> That's a good rule to have, <laughs> but um. Anyways, and then I usually uh, get ready. I need my quiet time to get ready because most of my best ideas come in the shower. And then after that, I have this uh, boundary with my son and my husband that I have 20 to 30 minutes in my office close the door and just meditate. Uh, Just sit here and I pray over the day. I sometimes do some emotional clearing. That's what I do with my clients too. Um, Or I just ask, how can I serve the best as I can to my best ability today? My husband knows not to open the door. My son does, too. And when I get grumpy that day, for whatever reason, my son always goes to me, mommy, didn't you meditate this morning? (laughs) So he knows he's very much aware as well. So for me, it's setting very clear boundaries. And and my husband is very intuitive too. So when we have people that we hang out with where I feel like, I don't know if I feel good about that or they seem to always question everything we do, he's like, you know what? Don't worry about it. Um, Who knows what, what their story is around how we show up? Sometimes it's just about letting go. And that has been really hard for me, especially as a woman. You yearn for those deep relationships. You yearn for... Um, another woman who can you can just call and say let's just hang out together because I just feel like it and I haven't really had that for one there's the cultural difference and then now there's this with with my work and how I work and, and my beliefs that often startle people especially in the bible belt area <laughs> uh, midwest is very very uh conservative so that's even mm-hmm. harder to break through uh, but my husband is the one who keeps me grounded, who always reminds me, we don't have to fit in. We can do what we know is right for us without having to worry about everyone else because I'm the warrior. I'm the one who is always in my head and my husband is the one, get out of your head. So it is important to have that support system that you have at least one person that you can get go to and say, this is how I feel right now, help me out of my head. I also work with my own coaches. I think, especially when you're in that awakening stage and things are so different than what you've been taught, you need someone who can reflect back things back to you, who has this understanding, who can say, "Okay, in what world are you playing right now? Which one does feel better to you, and which one do you choose?" And sometimes <laughs> I do choose the worldly world and say, "But I do want this now." Um, but the, the great thing is when you are within in that, when you're so much more spiritual connected you're no longer connected to material things. Um, I could have millions and millions of dollars and I could care less about how big my house is. I'm fine with uh, a 2,000 square home so I can move a little and just say, this is my room, (laughs) get out. (laughs) Uh, So we don't hang on top of each other all the time. But I just distance myself. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that I don't have any wants. Sometimes it's like, oh, I want to have a new car. I want to have that. And usually it shows up somehow. But I can differentiate easier. Is it a wonder is it a need? Do I really need it? No, probably not. And uh that trusting and just being in that flow every single day. And it's a reminder every day. Is that and I have this question for myself every day. Are you trusting right now? Are you listening? What do you know you need right now? And that's one of the biggest questions when you are in, especially when you're new to that kind of awakening, ask yourself the question, what do I need right now? What do I need? Especially as women, we never ask those questions. We always ask everyone else what they need. (laughs) Um, And I probably could say that now too, because I'm sure my son is somewhere running around. Again, he's four, so he likes to get into stuff, but he's also very, very considerate because again, we... We talk to him like another adult as a, as equally valued adult, not the little child. And I'll tell, you know what you're supposed to do. So he respects what we need to do, how we need to do things for the most part. He's still a child, <laughs> uh, but it makes things a little easier from that place. Yeah. And so every day it's like, what do I need? What do I need? Especially when I find myself in that place. And sometimes it is even my son who comes and puts his hand on my shoulder. like, mommy what do you need? Why are you angry? What do you need? Or sometimes he comes to me like, mommy, do you just need a hug from me? Can I give you a hug and a kiss? Do you feel better? Like that is my son. That is my four (laughs) and a half year old. And um, it's very interesting to be able to open up to people. I think something that I've learned is to be honest about how I feel and what goes on inside of me. And again, being clear on what I need so I can communicate that with the people that are close. And that really helps me to stay in that place of awakening
0: yeah well it is a fascinating journey and it is a process and there there are specific places that we have to do the work in um, looking at those beliefs looking working through those emotions the inner child peace the the becoming conscious the choosing which side of the world we're gonna live on the conscious world or the unconscious world are we going to trust or not trust are we going to fall back into the illusion of separation and and like you said, protection because of the controls that we've been taught, or are we going to really dive, fly over that river, swim, do whatever, know that we're going to be assisted and supported no matter what it is that we're doing. Um, You know, you, you help so many people and your work is so powerful and so wonderful. And so I'm going to put up here how people can connect with you because if they go to your website, you've got resources and they can reach out to you. Yes. Um, I, I'm just so excited to be able to have this conversation with you because it's just so much fun watching right now how so many people who are beginning to wake up are, are realizing that they want to unplug from the matrix, yes. they want to unplug from the world of, of physicality and begin to move into um, assisting others to, to access that non-physical realm, that place of intuition, that place of, of knowingness the intelligence and nobody can say it's right here you know we don't have a a, a store that sells intelligence we have to <laughs> into it. and that's right <laughs> <laughs> so how do we tap into that and even the most brilliant minds the geniuses like einstein kept saying he didn't get his answers from his own head. He got his answers from the mind of God. He knew. He yeah. And he was answers. considered crazy, right?
1: Yeah. Like, he was actually crazy. Depressed, <laughs> yes. So oh, it
0: yeah. is, is fascinating. But as we're coming to the, to the um, completion of our time together here, share you know, you, you've got, um, you know, your work, because you say that that big tagline on your website is that that you are made to rise. Yes. Um, say a little bit about what does that mean? Like, my tagline is that you are magnificent. And so I help people discover what that magnificence is. So I want you to share what is it when you say people are meant to rise? What is the rise part all about? Describe that. Maybe share some ways that you help them get to that. And once they get to that, what does that look like? And we'll complete with you um, sharing. How is it that we come to the place of realizing we were made to rise?
1: That um, tagline actually came from a concert that I went to. It even was a Christian concert with Hillsong. And they were talking about you're made to rise. And it just resonated with me so much because I work with a lot of empaths, meaning highly, highly sensitive people who have incredible skills and gifts. And those are usually the ones who are able to heal generational burdens, generational curses, because they're open to it, they're willing to it, they can feel a difference. And that's where we break up the cycle. I'm actually working on a TED talk right now where I talk about breaking up that cycle. And um, so working with those empaths, it usually uh, also, it's like a flame that starts out to be a fire inside of them. I, but I want to do more. I want to, I want to get involved more. But I don't know how because I'm receiving so much as an empath, and there's just so much overwhelm and anxiety that is related to that. And so I, I tell me you're made to rise by bringing the introvert together with the extrovert, the warrior with the the servant, and really creating new generations of people who are so aware. And in that space of community, that there's no difference between the people. Another thing that I have created is the I See You movement. Within that, uh, you're made to rise. We're able to see each other for who we are without all the boxes and the labels. Mm -hmm. We are made to rise to to be above those boxes and those labels and those identifications that we have held on to for so long. And that's why this became so important for me. When I work, especially with my VIP clients, that's where we go very deep, like almost the process that we just talked about for the last hour. Um, What is your identity within the place of awakening? How can you bring that together with the physical world? How can you support other people in that with the exact gift that you have? What does it look like for you? And how can you you combine those gifts? Um, It's really beautiful. Some, Some came to me, and it's like, I'm so restless and I feel like I need to do something bigger. But you know what was really interesting after four months working with me? They were so incredibly grateful just through what they've learned and what they've gone through that they can be okay with where they're at. One of them was a mom and she wanted to do more. She was in that identity crisis. And after we'd gone through this journey, internal journey, she's like, I feel amazing now just being able to except i am a mom and i can i can do this in, in whatever way it feels good to me right and um and then also i, I teach the basic language the foundation language that we all have emotions so i teach uh the spirituality around emotions and how it can help us to trust our intuition more how it can help us to feel more connected to our soul to god to Jesus, to whatever people want to call it. For me, it (laughs) is God and Jesus. And I I made that decision clearly for myself. So that is something else that I teach and coach and uh, that has really uh, been an incredible journey because people are like, oh, do you bring emotions and spirituality together? Well, go back to Rene Descartes. It was his fault. (laughs) 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 Or it was the Pope's fault who told him not to bring spirituality into uh, psychology.
0: Well, it, it really is is an amazing thing. Watching, hearing it, it, every single person who moves into the deeper parts of this awakening process, and at first, the awakening, uh, as I've experienced it and observed it in others, you know, you hit you hit this high where you you experience something that you were you had not known before and of course it fills you up so makes you feel high it inflates you with truth with joy with peace with bliss Um, but then you you deflate and you come back down into the world and and in that space you do all the work the emotional work the, the belief work and Doing uh, what needs to be done part of the work of undoing what you're not undoing those identities the boxes as you were saying and then we enter that sweeter spot in the journey where where we're not reaching for that high but rather we are just making room for it to arise in us. So as you're saying we were made to rise what what i absolutely know as my truth is that we we were created to arise out of those boxes to rise out of but that arising is not to make us any better or special. Mm-hmm. It brings us all to the place of equality, like you were yes. saying. We're all you the can same. See people, like no matter where
1: they're Absolutely. at, you can accept them. That's why uh, we have to be careful, especially with impacts, That you don't find yourself in a in a place of superiority. That because you have certain um, skills and gifts access to, that suddenly you know better or you can you you can tell people what they're supposed to do or how they're supposed to live their life, and that's not not true. When you really have that internal connection, that spiritual connection, it just gives you a a place of this is where you are at, too. You just
0: don't see yourself yet, but your heart is already here and I can see it yeah and it it is we're all finding our place where we fit in the whole of humanity uh, as equals because everybody is bringing something beautiful we we are yes. arising out of the limitations and playing a, a much much bigger game and it's really exciting I am so grateful that you're doing what you're doing I'm so grateful you went through the hell that you went through so that you <laughs> can discover the truth of who you are it's never easy going through that dark night of the soul no. that that place of undoing because it is like being a a butterfly in a cocoon um, yes. that 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 caterpillar has to dissolve and that cannot possibly be fun for the caterpillar but at the same time what emerges is something that rises that flies yes. that that is boundless so thank you for doing the work of dissolving the old uh, limitations and letting yourself rise into this unlimited sense of self and and then yes. modeling and sharing that with others so, Thanks for spending this hour with me. It just, as always, it just fills my heart to be able to have conversations like this that hopefully inspire somebody. I trust that this will touch whoever's supposed to touch, whether it's today or 10 years from now. Um, <laughs> right. It is absolutely perfect. Thank you so much, Isabel. Thank you are so beautiful inside me. and out. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. Sweetheart. Take care and have fun uh, flying high. <laughs> <laughs> you as well. <laughs> Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.